0: let's talk belly fat you may have noticed that as you're getting older you've been putting on more fat around your midsection and yes the way that it looks and the way that your clothes are fitting now can be a little frustrating but this type of fat could also be killing you without you realizing it and unfortunately all of the typical ways of going about fat loss that you have tried in the past probably won't work here with this kind of belly fat so we are going to dig into all of that right now. Being 40 or older can be a struggle with new pains and less energy. If you're determined to be strong, energetic and feeling great for many years to come, this show is for you. No extremes, just doable self-care tips that will change your life. I'm your host Megan Dalman. Let's jump in. This last year, I have been working with a client, and she's actually a school teacher. She's in her early 50s, and she reached out to me to do a one-on-one coaching call because she's struggling with excess fat around kind of in her torso area she's been exercising a lot more this last year she's starting to feel her muscles kind of building and developing in her limbs she loves exercising now she never misses a workout she has fallen in love with it but there's something about her torso there's something going on here that she can't quite figure out why is she feeling her limbs getting toned and stronger and leaner, but she still has all of this excess fat kind of in her midsection. And so her initial thought, her initial solution was, well, I should probably ramp up my workouts even more. I probably should exercise a little bit harder. And yeah, there's probably some things with my eating that I need to dial into. But when we got on a coaching call together, I was able to identify that there were some really glaring absences, like things that were absent from her routine that were going to make the biggest difference overall in that fat in her midsection. Because I explained to her that what she was experiencing was not just your normal like fat that you have in other areas around your body. What she was experiencing was what's called visceral fat. Let me explain okay what is visceral fat and maybe what's what's the difference between visceral versus subcutaneous fat so subcutaneous fat it this is the fat that you probably always think of this is the fat that you can pinch you can grab it's the type of fat that lives underneath your skin and on top of your muscle okay you probably have some subcutaneous fat on your abdomen But that's not really the dangerous part. The dangerous type of fat is what's called this visceral fat. Visceral fat likes to live up inside of your abdominal cavity. It kind of parks itself around your organs. It packs in around your stomach, your liver, your intestines, even your heart and lungs. And this is why it can be so dangerous. You can't pinch it, you can't grab it, you can't necessarily see it other than feeling like really thick around your middle. But because it's packed up so much in there around your organs, It's one of the major contributors to cardiovascular diseases in women. And cardiovascular disease is the number one killer for postmenopausal women. And I know that sounds scary, but there's something also alarming with this visceral type of fat, this type of fat that's like packed up inside of your abdominal cavity, is that women with higher amounts of this visceral fat, are also showing higher amounts of memory loss and dementia and Alzheimer's as they're aging. Which I don't think anybody listening is would say that that's anything that they want to experience as they get older. And just having excess body fat on your body in general, whether that is a combination of the subcutaneous fat and visceral fat, having more fat can actually intensify all of your menopausal symptoms too, you might experience more mood swings, more night sweats and hot flashes and migraines and mood disorders, the more fat that you do have on your body. So all that to say, we have a lot of reasons, great motivation to work on this. More, that's so much more than just the aesthetic effects of, of slimming down and feeling leaner. So this is really your health, your long-term health that's at stake here. Now, to answer the biggest question you want to know is why? <laughs> why are women in midlife more susceptible to gaining visceral fat? Because it's true that postmenopausal women have a much greater tendency for fat being stored in their middle than at any other time of life. In fact, visceral fat may increase up to 15 to 20% of your overall fat on your body, might be that visceral type of fat, versus Pre-menopause, before menopause, it might have only been like 5 to 8% of your total fat stores. So the reason this happens is that your hormonal situation greatly determines where fat gets stored on your body. When you have a situation where your cortisol and insulin are high, these are two very powerful hormones, cortisol and insulin are higher, in comparison to lowered estrogen and progesterone levels in your body and also higher testosterone. So kind of in relation to the amount of testosterone in your body, you have this perfect recipe for belly fat. What I find is really interesting is that menopause itself does not seem to substantially influence weight gain. However, it does create the perfect environment for it to happen if you don't have these strategies in place that I'm about to tell you. All right, now here is your belly fat plan of action. Now that you know that hormones are seriously involved in the situation, now that that is a major factor with visceral fat, that belly fat that you're experiencing, not just the subcutaneous, but this really dangerous visceral fat up inside of you, you're going to need to take a slightly more unconventional approach to fat loss than maybe you've considered before. So number one thing is I want you to become a stress-managing ninja, (laughs) okay? I'm saying this first because this could have the most impact on whether or not you have those excess amounts of visceral fat on your body. Why does this work? Well, I just briefly mentioned that visceral fat and stress go hand in hand, all right? When you combine higher stress hormones, that cortisol, with lower estrogen, Production, your body is far more likely to store any excess energy that you consume. It's going to store it in fat in your belly region. It's interesting because estrogen and progesterone, they naturally kind of like oppose cortisol. So when you were younger, if you got stressed out um, and had, you know, like that season of stress, maybe you were in college and you just had this like chronically stressed out state. Because you still had a good, healthy production of estrogen and progesterone in your body, it did not impact this visceral fat quite as much. But now that your body is not producing as much estrogen and progesterone, that cortisol is just wreaking havoc in your body. Okay, so the thing that's really interesting is that a woman who goes through midlife that really is just not stressed out, like or maybe has stressors in her life, but she does a really good job of managing them, she's really chill and just doesn't have those chronically elevated levels of cortisol in her body, she is not going to experience as much of this visceral fat as someone who does not manage their stress, okay? So you're gonna become a stress-managing ninja. And now what I want you to do is I want you to make a point of practicing two to three different types of stress managing tactics every single day. These should be things that ratchet your stress levels down, whether you think think you need it or not. I don't want you to be doing these at a time when you're suddenly stressed and you have to look around for something to help lower your stress levels. These things should be constants in your day. OK, so implement these things proactively, not when in the heat of the moment okay so start implementing something as simple as finding a quiet chair and taking five full deep breaths I love circular style breathing or timed style breathing where you count at the same time if you think about inhaling for a count of five hold that breath for a count of five and then exhale for a full count of eight it is powerful what that does to your overall stress levels if you do about five rounds of that, okay? So the 5-5-8 five, five, rhythmic breathing, is re- it, it really dramatically impacts your overall stress. So do that once a day. Another thing I would recommend doing each day is just get outside into the fresh air, even if it's raining or cold, just breathing fresh air, getting yourself vertical, and then moving for a walk. Even if that just means walking around the block, walking to the mailbox and back, five to 10 minutes of something of a walk outside, this does not need to be a power walk, it can be enough to ratchet down your stress levels, okay? So you are going to become a stress-managing ninja. Okay, strategy number two, you are going to become a better sleeper. Let's call it the sleeping ninja, again. someone that just is a really good sleeper. Why? Why does this impact your belly fat so much? Well, in a study that was done on 68000 women, that is a a massive study. It it is rare to have a study done on such a large on on such a large case group. 68000 women. It showed that those who slept five hours or less gained significantly more weight over a period of time than those who slept seven hours or more, okay? It was a big difference. And the reason is that when you are sleep deprived, your body is not as sensitive to your insulin, which is not a good thing, okay? You want improved insulin sensitivity and your body increases its cortisol production. So you basically are boosting up all of those things that contribute to that belly fat gain. All right, so we got to get you to become a better sleeper. So what we want to do is just look at your current sleep habits at the moment. Is there anything that you can do to make even the slightest improvement in your sleep? OK, so I know that sleep can feel like it's so out of your control, but there might be a couple things that you can implement that could improve your sleep quality. I want you to keep in mind that the things that dramatically impact your sleep are drinking alcohol before bed in the few hours leading up to bed. Okay, alcohol, when you first drink it, it's a downer. But about three to four hours later, it actually is an upper. So it pumps your adrenaline and actually makes you wake up. So often I hear women that are like, I keep waking up at 1 or 2 a.m. and I can't fall back to sleep. And I'll be like, well, are you having a glass of wine before bed? the answer is often yes so let's cut out that late alcohol and see how that helps also taking a long nap earlier in the day it kind of sucks up all of your body's like sleep hormones all of the things in your body that's going to encourage sleep it uses them up earlier in the day you want to save that for that sleeping time at night Um, Also, going to bed without having a really good ritual in place. You want to start getting in the habit of kind of like following through the same checklist of things you do as you're going to bed and making sure especially that part of that checklist is not sitting there looking at a screen. So usually about an hour before bed, you want to reduce screen time. And then going to bed in a stressed state absolutely impacts your sleep quality, too. So see what you can do to make sure that as you go to bed, you're lowering your stress levels. Maybe go back to some of those stress management tactics and see if those things can work. I'm going to link in the show notes a really great episode I did with a sleep doctor about a year ago. Really fascinating episode that gives you excellent ideas and insights on how to become a better sleeper. Another thing that you can consider is hormone replacement therapy. Okay. This is not going to dramatically reduce body fat. However, improving some of the regular menopausal symptoms like night sweats and um, hot flashes and mood frustrations, it can do that. And all of those things can improve your quality of sleep. So this is definitely something that you could talk with your doctor about and it could be a really good big game changer for you. Okay, so you are going to become a better sleeper. Okay, stop for just a second. How are your fitness and nutrition habits right now? Like really, if I randomly showed up at your house today and watched how you ate, how your workouts were going, how you moved about the day, just how you took care of yourself, what would I be witnessing? Would you be proud or a little embarrassed? Okay, don't worry. I'm not showing up at your house. However, that little thought experiment is very revealing about what could use a little work. So if you could use some help to get yourself back on track and feel so much healthier, I have a free five-day guide with simple daily challenges that I can deliver straight to your inbox. These include some nutrition tips, my favorite movements and stretches, and more that will really help you jumpstart some good habits. Super doable, nothing extreme, and it will get that ball rolling. And I want to give it to you for free. Okay. Just go to fit.com slash tips to sign up. That's vigeofit.com slash tips, or you can hit up the link in the show notes and I will immediately send you the first day's healthy tips. You're gonna love it. Strategy number three, you are going to eat like a healthy person. <laughs> Yes, I know this one seems obvious, and often we kind of go to this first, maybe, but, but why? Okay, let's revisit the whys. Sometimes we need a reminder of why eating healthy is important here, especially when you're ba- battling that belly fat. Well, there are two reasons why improving your nutrition and eating like a healthy eater is so important. The first is the obvious reason, okay? Consuming excess calories, so eating too much over the course of the day will lead to excess energy that your body doesn't really need to use. And so it's going to need to get stored somewhere. And because of the hormonal environment going on in your body, your body will store that in the visceral fat depots in your body. OK, so that's the obvious reason. Number, number one, the not so obvious reason is that foods that are high in sugars, high in starches and processed carbohydrates, and even alcohol, these wreak havoc on your insulin production, okay? And when you combine, you know, what they do is they really trigger this like, really like rush of insulin into your bloodstream. When you combine that with those lower levels of estrogen, that is when we have this situation where your body is going to store a lot of that excess fat in the belly fat region. Okay. So here's the strategy. Okay. I don't want you to try anything extreme. All right, because consistently eating like a healthy person is the idea. If you go down an extreme path, if you're like, I'm going to become a vegan (laughs) suddenly or I'm going to cut out all of these foods or I'm going to try this like fasting protocol, like anything extreme, it's probably going to be something that you just can't stick with. It's far more important to be eating healthier than you are now on a consistent basis. Okay, so don't do anything extreme. All right. And I want you to practice just eating at regular intervals throughout the day. This could be every two hours. It could be every four hours. But eating at those regular intervals really helps to kind of regulate your body's insulin production and those blood sugar levels. Okay. And a really great thing that I like to remind myself is this little motto. If it is a mealtime, you need to stop what you're doing and feed yourself. So if it's a mealtime, eat. If it's not a mealtime, don't eat. Okay. So by filling up on good foods at your mealtimes, This is going to allow you to go the two, three, four hours in between your meals and allow your blood sugars to kind of regulate so that the next time you come across another meal, you can fill up on all of those good healthy nutrients at that meal too. And then just kind of keep following that pattern throughout the day. All right. So aim for eating foods or eating meals that are really what I like to call nutrient dense. They're They're really dense, full of nutrients versus foods that are really calorie dense, meaning they have a lot of calories in them for the amount that you're actually eating. A good example of this would be like a cup of broccoli versus a cup of breakfast cereal, right? We've got the broccoli, a whole cup of broccoli, it's the same bulk, it's the same amount, it's the same size in volume as the breakfast cereal, But the nutrients are extremely dense in that broccoli versus the breakfast cereal is just very calorie dense. It doesn't have any nutrients in it. right so a great way to kind of guide yourself with this and you've probably heard me say it a lot to keep it simple just eat your pros at every single meal if you're eating a lot of protein good lean protein and lots of produce those are your pros those are what we call very nutrient dense foods you can't go wrong with those those will help you out so much all right our fourth and final strategy my friend is that you are going to move every day period you're just going to be a mover (laughs) okay so why does this work well guess what the number one cause of weight gain in midlife is can you guess (laughs) well it is a decline or a decrease in physical activity that's the number one thing that leads to weight gain and this just creeps up on you gradually over time you just You know, your standards of activity just kind of slowly lower over time maybe you have a back injury or a knee injury that kind of sidelined you for a little bit so you took a lot of time off and it's just not as important to you anymore like your priorities aren't the same so you just kind of stopped being active when that thing happened or maybe you're an empty nester now you're not running around with the kids like the kids kept you active they kept you physically active you just don't have that anymore so you just are naturally on an average day not as physically active Or maybe, you know, you're now only exercising intentionally twice a week, which feels really good in your mind. But five years ago, you were regularly exercising four days a week. So over time, this has gradually decreased. And you have to remember that as you lose your physical activity, as you stop being as physically active, active, that is when your muscle mass starts to decline, too. This is where we really enter that danger zone. As you lose your muscle mass, your metabolism decreases too. And if you don't also like reduce the amount that you're eating, (laughs) if you're continuing to eat the same way you've eaten for years, all of that excess energy is going to need to get stored somewhere. And when you have this perfect hormonal environment for wanting to store it in your midsection, then that's where it's going to go. Okay. The good thing to remember, though, is that women who enter midlife as physically active as they've always been and maybe even start becoming more physically active in midlife, it it doesn't really matter. They have a much lower tendency to gain weight. Okay, so gaining weight in midlife is not inevitable. It just means that most of the time you kind of lose your activity levels. So move every day, period. That is just your standard. Get up, get moving somehow every day. It shouldn't be the same thing every day okay it should be slightly different intensities over the course of the week but we just got to get you moving every day somehow okay more cardio is not necessarily the answer here either if you have excess weight especially in your midsection your primary job should be to build up your lean muscle mass we want to get your muscle mass as big on your body as possible which in turn is going to increase your metabolism also the added benefit is that strength training the thing that builds your muscle mass the most tends to be a moderate to higher intensity level those higher intensity levels combat a lot of those hormonal issues especially with insulin and cortisol that we have seen okay so it's like checking a lot of boxes here all right so a great pattern throughout the course of the week for you in midlife is that maybe you're doing strength training at a moderate to high intensity two to three days a week so maybe on monday wednesday friday you are strength training we're really stimulating that muscle but we don't want this to become stressful right we want to avoid being in a stressed out state so in between those days we do something that's much more lighter activity something that i would consider like active recovery It really helps your body recover, return back to those resting levels. And that's the thing that's going to ensure that you're getting the right dosage of intensity, muscle-stimulating work, buffered with much lighter recovery-inducing activity. And that could be something as simple as doing some stretching, yoga. A lot of my mobility routines are like that or just going for a walk, okay? You can build up to this over time. All of my programs like help you build up to that. So don't feel like you have to do this all on your own. I will definitely link them for you. But but moving every day, period. That That's really what it comes down to in this category. Okay, those are the four things. Those four things work, okay? These are your four strategies to combat that visceral fat, that belly fat that you're experiencing in midlife. And I know they sound too simple, but it's really in the consistency of implementing these things, of becoming someone who is a stress managing ninja, someone who is an excellent sleeper at night, someone who eats like a healthy person, someone who moves every single day, somehow, some way, every day. When all of those four things are in place, your success is going to happen. You will absolutely feel those body fat stores in your midsection shrinking. Okay, and I I know I'm kind of being a little dramatic about it, but it's absolutely true. And if you don't implement these things, if you only focus on like one of them, if one of these things feels natural, like, okay, the stress piece, I can't do that. So I'm just going to focus on the nutrition part. You're not going to get the results. You just won't. Same with maybe you're someone who's naturally really relaxed. You just don't have a lot of stress in your life. You're really calm and At peace, but you're not exercising, you're not eating healthy, you're not sleeping very good, you're also not going to get the results, okay? And unfortunately, when you're not implementing all four of these things, that visceral fat, it's not going to go anywhere. In fact, it might get worse and someday it might kill you. And I don't want that to happen to you. Okay, let's just wrap this up with a real life story just to kind of bring this to life. Well, I know a mom. Um, who is in her mid 40s so she's right in the middle of perimenopause actually so her hormones are definitely adjusting right and she was telling me a few months ago at christmas of how she's just been struggling with this excess fat in her midsection for the last few years and she knows that it's kind of a combination of that subcutaneous fat and the visceral fat but probably mostly that visceral fat and she said that she's sick of struggling with this and she finally wants to get a handle on it because it's actually having, starting to have a negative impact on her health, not just the way her clothes are fitting, but she's feeling it health-wise. Like her blood pressure is off the charts. Um, she's having some serious digestive issues and she wants to make a big change, okay? So she was telling me what she's doing. Her solution was to shift to primarily plant-based eating. She was gonna become a vegetarian and eat really only plant-based foods. And she had convinced herself that by switching to a vegetarian or plant-based meal or like plant-based eating, this would be the solution that she was looking for. Now, this is not a terrible idea. Eating more plants is fantastic for your hormones. It's fantastic for your energy intake. However, this is only part of the picture. I know for a fact, because I know her quite well, as my friend, I know that her stress is always off the charts. She is running herself ragged all the time. She can't say no to things, she just takes everything on. She doesn't exercise anymore. I think like maybe once a week, maybe on a good week, she's just kind of constantly going everywhere so that her physical activity always like takes the back seat to all of her other activities that aren't actually physical and she's a night owl so she spends almost every night staying up till midnight or 1am and then getting very little sleep at night so you know the changing her eating habits was going to do something but it just was not the full picture And in her situation, I think what would serve her best is to not be so extreme on the food piece, but to dedicate some of that energy that she's putting into changing her eating habits into improving her physical activity, just exercising more, moving every day, improving her stress management strategies, and working on her sleep. And those are the things, kind of the big picture of what is going to solve her problems once and for all. The big takeaway here, my friend, is that belly fat in midlife or that visceral fat, it's not inevitable and it's not something that you have to live with forever. Like it's out of your control. But what it does require is a very intentional approach to fat loss. Okay. All four of those things need to be in place for you to experience those visceral fat stores reducing. All right. And it might take a little a little bit. <laughs> it's not going to happen overnight, but that's why doing something consistently, nothing extreme, but just showing up, doing these things consistently, asking yourself like, "Okay, which of those four things needs a little bit more of my attention?" Maybe I lost, you know, one of those habits over the last week. Like I was really good at managing my stress for a week and then I kind of forgot. Or I was really good with eating healthy for a week and then I kind of forgot. Like let's get each of those four components really consistent and you will start to see improvements in your body. Okay. I'm going to drop a few more resources for you in the description below. So definitely check those out because I want to make sure that you get the help with this that you need. All right, my friend, thank you for joining me today. I hope you learned something. Let me know what you thought of this episode and until next time, be strong.